Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokora Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Kyle Paxton. He is a doctor of physical therapy based out of Washington, D.C., and one of the co-founders of Integrated Kinetic Neurology. I am really excited to get into this conversation, so let's get this party started. excited to get into this podcast. If you heard a crunching noise at the beginning of my intro, that is because my dogs are in the podcast studio with me and they are chewing on things. So try not to get distracted by that. Um, I am continuing from the last podcast with a section uh, where I talk about myself a little bit so you guys can get to know me a little better. So today I want to talk about a podcast that I listened to that was requested to me um, by a friend of mine on Instagram, and it is the Hidden Brain Podcast, and the episode is Close Enough. And this is a really interesting podcast for me because it's the exact opposite of how my brain tends to think and how my mannerisms usually are. And so the thing that they are discussing is essentially why people don't continue with things or move forward with different situations in their life or uh, practice things. It's really interesting. So like one of the examples is if you start to play guitar and you realize that playing a guitar is hard, but you're watching the, the instructional video on YouTube and the instructor makes it look really easy. But the fact that he makes it look really easy and you're practicing it right now and it's really hard, you just kind of give up and put the guitar away and don't touch it and then start to make up in what my mind are excuses like, oh, I don't have time to practice that. But the reality is, is that it's difficult and you're not good at it right away. And so you just kind of stop trying, which is really interesting because my brain has completely shifted from that perspective. And I used to have that perspective like well over a decade ago, but then I started martial arts training and started CrossFit. And now I have my own movement practice that is um, largely based on exploratory movement patterns and just introducing my new my body to new and various ways of moving through space. And there's certain movements that I really wanna do and they are really difficult. And I see other people doing them, and I'm like, man, they are making that look really easy. But I know it's hard. And so my mind doesn't go to, well, I should probably just stop doing that. My mind goes to, well, this is probably a goal that's going to be about a year in the making, maybe even more. But I'm going to keep working towards that, and I'm going to keep building strength in my end ranges, and I'm going to keep working on my mobility, and I'm going to keep working on my strength, and I'm going to keep getting better every day. Because that's how my brain works and that's those are the people that I choose to surround myself with and these are the people that I choose to connect with so 
I don't know. It was just a really interesting to hear um, individuals talking about the opposite end of the spectrum from where me and uh, my friends tend to operate. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, just because something's hard, don't give up. Just keep working at it. And if it's something that you really, really want to do, you'll get good at it. Okay, rant over. Without further ado, I present to you Dr. Kyle Paxton. All right, Dr. Kyle Paxton, thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're excited you uh, reached out to us and uh, happy to dive into some things here. Absolutely. So uh, this is actually a serendipitous conversation. Um, we're going to get to that a little bit later because uh, I want everybody to kind of get a background of who you are and uh, give a little bit of a background on Ryan as well, who's one of the co-founders of um, Integrated Kinetic Neurology. And um, yeah, let's just start there. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we... Me and Ryan both went to physical therapy school up in Western New York uh, at Nazareth College. Um, so that's where we met. And I mean, PT school, everyone's friends with everyone. We never really like dove into any hard stuff together. But like we, we were friends and we both went our separate ways. I opened up uh, a practice in D.C. outside of school or right after school. And then um, Ryan went back to Ireland. So he's actually an Irish citizen. So if you ever heard him talk, he has like a beautiful Irish accent comparatively to like my nasal, nasally New York voice. So um, he went back to Ireland and uh, about about a year into practicing, he owns his own practice over there. We we just started chatting and we're like, hey, we're doing a lot of the same stuff here, right? Like we had a lot of the same background in some of our courses and some of my mentors when I was in PT school were already kind of down this nervous system rabbit hole. So we had a lot of the same influences and we just started talking. We're like, Hey, I don't know. I feel like we're getting some pretty crazy results with some of the stuff we're doing. And we started brainstorming and putting some stuff together. And then we're like, I think our friends might want to hear some of this stuff. So we ran like a little mini course, like just to our friends in DC. And we're like, I don't know, this was pretty cool. They all liked it. And one thing led to another, we started putting together some like real course content and we've kind of hit the ground running now. I mean, in, in the scheme of, companies were still very, very young, right? We ran our first course ever, March 10th and 11th last year. Um, so we're coming up on one year. Uh, I mean, this year we're shooting to do like 35 to 40 in-person courses. And then we have a lot of our online content rolling out too. So we're just kind of going with the punches. I mean, our goal always was just to shake up the continuing education scene. You know, um, we grew a little bit frustrated with where things were at. And then on top of that, just getting people to look at the body a little bit differently. That's really all we wanted to do because we saw how it was changing people's lives in the clinic, you know? So um, I spend most of my time in here in DC. I have a couple of practices here now and then he stays in Ireland. So um, we cross paths every now and then at some courses, but he handles most of the international stuff. Um, and then I stay, try to stay domestically here in the US. If anyone knows me, I have a pretty severe fear of flying. So to start a company tour, I have to fly all over the place was a little bit dumb. Um, but yeah, it's been a really, really fun ride. Ryan, Ryan's an awesome guy. Anyone who knows Ryan, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And really my goal is just to make sure we don't drive this company into the ground here. So that's interesting because we were talking a little bit before we started recording and you were asking me questions about my podcast and it's literally the same story. You're just yeah. like, I want to do this. And then other people are like, okay. And then you just start doing it and it's all of a sudden 
that's what you're doing. And um, so two podcasts ago, I think his name is, uh, well, I know his name is Dr. Sebastian Gonzalez. He's also um, a podcaster and has the Restoring Human Movement podcast. And so I invited him on mine and he's like, why don't you have a microphone? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're a podcaster. And I'm like, I am a podcaster. (laughs) Whoa. And then so I immediately bought a microphone because now that's one of the things that I do. And so it's really interesting to hear your story about just starting your education course and then starting to teach it because that's something that I ultimately want to grow into. And it's just really interesting to me because it it becomes to the point where common knowledge for you isn't common knowledge for other people. Right. And so stuff that you've been practicing for a long time, other people haven't. And so, but for you, it's just like, why would anybody want to know this stuff? This is just how we do it, you know? And then the more you post or the more you reach out, the more you find out that you do know quite a bit. And there's other people that are just starting out that have the remedial education, whatever it is, and they really need your stuff. And so um, the other thing I kind of wanted to touch on was looking at the human body differently because that's something that I started doing right out of massage school right away. And I started to have all these paradigm shifts in my brain where I could literally feel my brain restructuring around this new idea that was never taught to me in traditional anatomy and physiology and trying to figure out how to integrate that into my system and my business. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think one thing that I grew frustrated with in in physical therapy school, and this kind of goes for any rehab or medical field, but um, it, everyone wants to make everything so logical in in the medical field, and the body is inherently illogical, right? right. So, like when when we want to overly simplify things, like into this biomechanical model, and don't get me wrong, physics exists, right? Like biomechanics exists, right? But people swing the pendulum too far, just like they do with everything, right? I think when you can start to understand that movement or pain or anything is this just like incredibly complex interplay and find a way to try to make some sense of it and understand that a lot of times it's just not going to make sense. You can just put your brain in a different mindset, you know? So when, when I was in school, one of my, one of my biggest mentors, a guy named Dan Fichter. And if, if you don't know who Dan Fichter is, he, uh, He's a genius in the movement neurology world. He owns a gym called Want to Get Fast up in Rochester, New York. Um, but he he was a huge influence on me in PT school to the point where like I'm in my third year of PT school and I'm like, what are they even teaching us? You know, um, they're teaching us to the boards and all that type of stuff, but they're not teaching us to fix humans, right? So as soon as I got out of school, I took all that stuff and I started diving down this nervous system rabbit hole. And I I knew there was something there that was different when patients are saying, man, this is, this is different. I don't know why anyone's never framed this way or these things to me in this way before. And when I saw that, I was like, this is how things have to start being looked at. Right. And by no means am I the first person to do that. But I think when we're talking mainstream rehab or mainstream movement, it's still not the way things are looked at or people swinging the pendulum too far the other way. Right. And like everything is nervous system and it, you have to meet somewhere in the middle. And when you can do that, you can get some really, really cool results and you can just get some really, really cool flexibility in your treatment or your exercise or what you want to do. So that that's kind of what we're trying to do is 
bring the pendulum back to the middle and make things digestible to people. And if you want to go way farther the other way, we can give you resources to do that, right? But we want to be your first point of contact and give you some really easy resources to get and layer what you're already doing with with the patients and have them see some really cool changes. Right. And so, you know, just coming out of massage school, that's that's where I was like, why aren't they teaching this stuff? And it's such yeah. basic stuff like uh, like the joint by joint approach. Yeah. Like, you know, because when in massage school, they're like, okay, so if they come in with a hurt knee, this is how you work on the knee. And I'm sure. like, but it's not the knee. It's the, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, and so the joint by joint approach is where I was really like, okay, so I need to look at the ankle or the hip. Okay, cool. And then um, the uh, Gary Gray Institute is where I started learning about more functional muscle function, which is how muscles function under the force of gravity. And it's not like dead person anatomy. So I had to listen to that podcast like eight times in a row. And then I was like putting my hands on my quads while I was walking. And I'm like, what does this mean? What does it mean? And then starting to the further I get into my education, starting to realize that everything is everything. And so the way that they teach you is these are the muscles. And then these are the bones and then these are, this is the nervous system. And then this is your, and then this is, and this is, and they teach them all separate systems, but it's all the same thing. And so when you're like, when I'm treating people or coaching people, just getting them to start to integrate all those systems into one thing, which is movement. Right. And then that's what you guys are preaching as well. And, and then they just remarkably start to get better. Right. And then I also have to start looking at like emotional pain and where that's coming from and then chronic inflammation and where that's coming from, because you're not just chronically inflamed for no reason. There's a reason. And so it's it, once you start to dive into all those different rabbit holes, then your job becomes really fun. So then you're just looking at this person being like, why does this person have sciatic pain? There's a myriad of reasons. Yes. And so when people call me and ask me, I'm just like, I have no idea. You're going to have to come yeah. in because <laughs> it could be anything. And, you know, I've said this before, but it's like, it, I liken it to when I would call my car mechanic and be, I'm driving down the highway and my car starts to kind of sputter between like 45 and 55. What do you think it is? He's like, I don't know. Bring your car in. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, we get we get a lot of DMs on Instagram of people that are like, hey, you know, I got this going on. Like, can you tell me something to do with this? And we're like, I mean, absolutely, absolutely not. Like, how are we going to tell you <laughs> through Instagram, nonetheless, about what's going on, right? Um, but I, yeah, I loved what you said, everything is everything, right? Because right. I think when you can take that step back approach, you can really start to see the big picture. And that's where cool things really start to happen, right? So um, I agree, movement incorporates everything, right? When right. you move, you're engaging your proprioceptive system, you're up against gravity, your vestibular system, your visual system, right? Your blood's fall, everything's working. Um, and we forget that, right? Like we right. think when we move, we're only addressing the muscles. And that's, like you said, that's what we want to start pushing, right? Yes, we're going to give you plenty of resources to specifically address or assess the visual system or the vestibular system or this, but unless you layer it into movement, you're not going to get the change you want to get, right? Because movement is how we get through the world, right? We're always fighting gravity. If you want to get that long-term resiliency, 
you have to involve movement because it's all happening there, right? So um, I'm right there with you. And I think this is the reason like it was really good for us to touch base because we talk about a lot of the same things. But right. like you said, it's we think we know it, right? And we do. It's what we do every day. But there's so many people out there that still just don't even think that way. And it's just because they haven't been exposed to it, right? Right. And it's really that's another thing that I've been focusing on is like the, the psychology of people. Cause I think that's really important. And you know, what I've been hearing a lot is a, a societal narrative. And I started to hear this first from like the Tony Robbins podcast. And then it starts to kind of trickle down into all these other different things. But uh, what Tony Robbins is saying is, you know, and I listen to him for business stuff. And also he's probably, he's just like, do this this way. And you're like, okay, now my life's better. That's yeah. weird. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but anyway, he was, he has, you know, one of his events where there's like 5,000 business owners in it. And he has one who's like, who has a struggling business? And this guy raises his hand. He's like, okay, stand up. And so the guy stands up and he's like, so tell me about your struggling business. Well, I'm always afraid I'm never going to make payroll. And I'm always afraid that my business is going to dip. And I'm always afraid that my you know, I'm never going to make rent and I'm always afraid that my business is going to shut down. And he's like, okay, everybody else who has these thoughts, raise your hand. And so 5,000 people raise their hand. And then he's like, see, this isn't your thought. This is a societal narrative. And then I get to uh, this other book. Um, it's called Moonshots. And he's talking about how there's a societal narrative around um, scarcity and poverty. And so the people that are successful, you just kind of switch that mindset where there's infinite abundance. You know, like if you're worried about money, banks print more money all the time. It's cool. You'll get money. You know what I mean? You just have to have that mindset that you're getting money. And so like digressing back to why I started this whole rant is um, uh, there's this weird societal mindset where I'm too old for this. I'm too old to do that. And especially in America, once you start to get older, then you um, start to stop moving. And then you start to get further away yep. from the ground and your seats become higher and your bed becomes higher. And then all of a sudden you have like fall risk because you're not using your body. And so there's the, the yeah. we, part of my goal is to get rid of that societal narrative that you're not too old for anything. Like after a while, you should probably stop trying to do deadlift cycles for sure. Like you don't need to get stronger at the deadlift, but you don't, right. you shouldn't stop deadlifting. Right. So like you don't need to deadlift 500 pounds anymore, but yeah. you could deadlift I, kettlebells a couple of times a week, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so frustrating. And we have one of our instructors, uh, Dr. Sam Hodis, he's a, uh, his other gig, like his actual treatment job, uh, he has some side cash-based stuff, but he's a home health therapist, right? He's the only home health therapist that I know that brings kettlebells to every single session, right? Yeah. But that should be the norm, you know? I mean, it, if you, it, and anyone listening to this, or if, if you've ever read the book, Why, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, have you ever read that book? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting because humans get less resilient over time, right? And then animals do the opposite, right? Like, and, and why is this? There's certainly a lot of psychological pieces. We hold on to stress over time and we don't release it. And that slowly wears away at us, but we move less. We use our sensory systems less and that wears on us, right? Like as when you're not moving, 
you're not priming all those systems in your body. So you're going to be less likely to move. Right. So I, I tell people all the time like, when I have like an older person with neck pain, right? Like, okay, yes. When was the last time you had any sort of rotation? right? Like when you don't rotate, now you're not stimulating your vestibular system. You're not stimulating all those proprioceptive systems and your body's going to start to uh, things that fire together, wire together, right? So if you're not moving, you're, you're not going to be using those systems. Your body's not going to want to use those systems and it just snowballs. And if people thought, Hey, the body is malleable, right? We can change that. Then let's just go do it, right? That's why I love what Sam does. Kettlebells, making people squat, doing all kinds of stuff. And these are like 88-year-old ladies in wheelchairs, you know? And you can see really, really huge changes. Yes, maybe not quite as much as a 26-year-old who's going to deadlift, but the thought that all you can do is maintain or slow regression, you can still make positive changes until the older ages, you know? Um, and who knows what would happen population health-wise, right, if we could start to do this not even just orthopedically, like all the crazy things that we have in America that doesn't really happen elsewhere. A lot of it can probably be correlated back because as we get older, we have this fear avoidance of movement, you know? Right. And so uh, Perry Nicholson touches on that in his Primal Movement Chains course. And, you know, just one of his exercises that he assigns to everybody, he calls it the anti-fragile matrix where you just lie down on your stomach, lie down on each side, and then lie down on your back. And you do that multiple times a day. And I give that to everybody. And, yeah. you know, if you're an experienced athlete, then I make you take one limb out of the equation. Right. And then I complicate it by having you pause at random spots while you're doing that movement. Um, but, you know, I have, I uh, coach my mom and I have my mom do that once a week. You know what I mean? So like awesome. if you're, if you stay on the ground, then you're not afraid of the ground. And then you, uh, one of the uh, things that Perry says about that, whole movement pattern is you don't do it the same way every time. So then you're accidentally building variance, which is accidentally building strength in multiple directions, which is then giving you more, your brain, more confidence in your movement, which allows you to deal with variables that any, anything that may have happened. Um, And so a story on that is my, my mom was um, driving to California, stopped at a rest stop um, was, you know, cleaning all the bugs off her windshield and then slipped on her car and then was able to catch herself. And she said, if I wasn't training with you, I wouldn't have been able to do sure. that. And I would have fallen and broken something. And I'm like, yeah, so why doesn't anybody else think that way? It's really interesting to me. Yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating. I think it, it goes along with one thing we preach all the time, right? You want the, the body is inherently predictive, right? So sure. or the brain is inherently predictive. And if you're not putting your body into those positions to get the brain comfortable there. That way, next time it is there, it knows what's going to happen, right? It has the safety there. It has some confidence there and it can better predict what to do in that situation. Your body's never going to be good at anything that it hasn't done before. And like, if you can think of it as simple as that, then you can make huge changes in people, right? Like what things do we want to prepare your body for? Okay, well, let's do those things. Like, why does it always have to be more complicated than that? It doesn't. It's just a matter of doing it. And that's the biggest problem for most people. Right. And it doesn't have to be aggressive, which is right. interesting also, you know, because like uh, I, I've been coaching CrossFit for close to a decade. And so, um, and I always have to preface this by saying this is my opinion because CrossFit will bury me. <laughs> but, um, you know, in my opinion, that's one of the fundamental flaws in their programming. So everything is in the sagittal plane of motion. And then so yep. people wonder why, like CrossFit's not dangerous per se, but um, 
it is because you only you if you deviate from that plane of motion, that's where injury occurs because your brain's not prepared to go there. And so one of the 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 favorite things for CrossFit and what they say is for time or for load. And so all these other movements that we're talking about, these exploratory movement patterns, you can't do for time or for load. Yeah. And then, so it's just ignored and it's just, it's really interesting to me. And so I'm diving further into where I'm going and really just kind of leaving CrossFit behind, not saying that I don't do it. Like I did a CrossFit workout yesterday. I think it's important to challenge yourself. Um, But that is just one of the um, flaws in the narrative of the current state of fitness, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So in my, in my practices in DC, I, I'm not a powerlifter. And if anyone ever's ever seen me, certainly don't look like one. But somehow I've gotten like crazy into this powerlifting world to where I treat like a very large percentage of powerlifters. And it's the exact same way and maybe even more so, right? Like, all they do is slow, grindy deadlifts and squats and bench, right? And then when do they hurt themselves? They can put 500 pounds on their back and squat and they go twist to go pick up a sock off the floor. And that's when they blow out their back because their brain is like, what in the heck is this position? I'm nervous and it grabs them, right? So if you can start to add any sort of variability, some of the hugest changes I've seen in not, not just rehab for these power lifters, but performance too, is if you can start to give them some novel movement, especially in that transverse plane that our body craves, right? They can get crazy, crazy changes across the board because your brain is always craving new stuff, right? And when you can give it that, it eats it right up and gives you improvement everywhere else. It it convincing people of that is very hard because they're like, oh, well, it's not what I do. But I was like, if you understand the, the evolution of the human body or just like look at something simple like the gait cycle right like there's a lot of rotation in the gait cycle and our brain has actually wired itself to take information from the gait cycle more than any other movement because it's what we do more than anything else right so if you can start to give information in a way that the body likes to take it then you can do all your other stuff but you know you're probably going to get more benefit out of it so i'm fighting that uphill battle every single day with my power lifters and um once they feel it it's an easy sell right but like until then, again, it's a logical thing. They're like, well, it's not the way I move, then why would I have to do it? Right. And so that's the interesting thing because I'm uh, almost the opposite. So, you know, I'm uh, built like a bridge troll. So I just like to stand there and just lift things. You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, but I don't run, but I know how to run and I know what running's supposed to look like. And so that's kind of the same thing with you. Like if a big old power lifter comes in, he's like, Hey, can you deadlift? And you're like, well, not really, but I know how to, I know this basic shape that you're supposed to be in Yeah, because it's the shape that you need to be in in order to pick stuff off off the ground. Yeah. And, and so I know where you're lacking in your movement and what you need to do in order to make that stronger so that you can ultimately become a stronger deadlifter because that, yeah. that translates, right? So, um, you know, those rotational patterns bleed into all your other movement patterns. So whether it's the frontal plane or the sagittal plane, that transverse plane is what bleeds into everything. So if you can make that stronger, everything gets stronger. And so that's uh, something that I noticed in my own training. So once I started this, there's another thing that happens with CrossFit where once you do it for a while, you kind of don't know how to work out after that. 
And so I've been really kind of exploring my own movement practice for a couple of years. And what I've noticed is that I've been able to maintain a lot of my strength without doing strength cycles and just building that kind of variance into my movement patterns and making that stuff stronger. And it's the, the, there's like such an anxiety of trying to get better all the time, but then doing the wrong things to get there. I feel like it's just really interesting. Yeah. And like what what you said, I mean, the, the variability has actually helped you like improve in some of those areas that you're working on beforehand. And that's another thing, like say I have a, a, a power lifter who's got like anterior shoulder pain in a bench press, right? Like you can continue to keep their strength there in the bench press, even if they don't bench press, right? Like give them other ways to do things, right? And then they go back after their shoulder pain's gone and they're like, oh, I didn't lose any weight there, right? Like that should open people's minds. It, right. You don't always just have to hammer the deficit or just go after this specific thing. Because like you said, everything is everything, right? If you can find creative ways to work around it and have the brain have to work really hard and have the body figure things out and still have some intensity, right? But it doesn't have to be intensity in that movement and you can get carryover everywhere else. I'm I'm a huge proponent of that. And I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of things too. Like if I get someone who's crazy bendy and is really good at rotation, like, what do you need to do? You probably need to deadlift and squat and things like that, right? So, like, right. I think it goes both ways. I think you tend to see it more on the CrossFit powerlifting side that that's all they do. But um, I think variability, no matter what it is, is really important. And more so just from the novelty of movement, right? Like, if you can keep your brain on its toes, everything is going to be better. Right. And then so just basically asking the question, what's your body not doing? Right. Exactly. And so, like, the, the bench press thing, like, okay, so what's your body doing? It's pushing that way all the time. So are you pulling the other way? Are yeah. you, what's your shoulder not doing? So if you start doing what your shoulder's not doing on a regular basis, then your shoulder will get stronger and then your pain will go away. It's you know, it's, <laughs> I know. Yeah. and it's, it's, uh, and you know, like a lot of this stuff is really, um, me experimenting on myself. So if you follow my Instagram feed, like that's just me being like, what can my body do today? Yeah. What, what am I missing or what, or how can I, get this strength at this end range, which will then increase my mobility and increase the stability in that joint, which will then make my squat better ultimately, you know? So then, um, and I just figure out how to make that more challenging. So, you know, the way that I, uh, uh, put my clients into the movement practice is, you know, I do, uh, overall assessment and then put them almost in like belt levels, like in jujitsu where, okay, so you need to earn your white belt in movement. So this is what we're going to do first. And then once you get your white belt, then we're going to give you some stripes and then we're going to move you up to blue belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if they come in at like a blue belt level, cool. So then we're going to go back and get some of those fundamental, fundamental movement patterns that you're missing and then add to that and then get you some stripes, move you up to purple belt. And then, you know, just kind of carry on like that. That's how my, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, a hugely important point because just because someone can move at a high level, doesn't mean they have all these deficits. They don't have deficits at an extremely low level. I had just taken uh, Shante Cofield's, uh, the Movement Maestro's course, yes, two two weekends ago here in DC. And that was the biggest thing she was preaching, right? Go after the big stuff first, make sure they have the fundamentals, and then go after the other stuff, right? Because there's plenty of people, pro athletes, right, who can do all kinds of crazy movements. You get them in a rolling pattern on the ground, 
they have no idea what to do and it exposes all kinds of stuff. So I think, I think that that's where uh, we want to bring things back to the center, right? Because yes, we're doing some really cool neurology stuff. We're trying to do some high level stuff, right? And give you new resources. But at the same time, you have to understand that if the body doesn't have some of these basic principles, it's not going to be able to do these other things. It may be able to, but it probably isn't going to do them efficiently, you know, and that's where the biggest deficits lie. And I think the, the thing we initially touched base on was the, the post we had that increase intensity doesn't mean always an increase in performance. Right. And right. I think that's kind of where th that piece stems from, right? I, if you don't have some of these fundamental things, or if you work on some of these fundamental things, which may be inherently low threshold, you can get all kinds of cool changes in performance, right? right. Just because you have someone throw a crazy amount of weight on or like you have them puking after a workout doesn't mean you're going to get any sort of carryover if you really understand the holistic nature of the body. Right. And so, yeah, that's so interesting. So then, uh, you know, because I pick on CrossFit a lot because I've been in the CrossFit space for a long time. Sure, yeah. And so that's like one of those things where they don't really do a movement assessment they just throw you in and are like okay you can't squat well and you can't do a pull-up so what we're going to do is make you squat a lot really quickly and do yeah. kipping pull-ups instead with yeah. a band and you're like cool so that's not what they should be doing because do they have yeah. an ankle do they have a hip do they have a shoulder you know what i mean They've, and so that was uh where you know dr andrea spina's message was really important to me and so his uh, word for fundamentals is prerequisites. Yeah. And so, you know, the, there's a plain and simple fact that in the CrossFit space that there's more people that can do kipping pull-ups than can do strict pull-ups. And then, so if you start to look at it from like Gary Gray's, uh, um, perspective of functional muscle function, like the shoulder needs to be able to have the strength to decelerate a kipping pull-up, which means that you should be able to do strict pull-ups. And if Agreed. you can't, then you're like, why does my shoulder hurt? And I'm like, so if, you know, that's it, I don't, it's, it's so it's, frustrating. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, I think that extrapolates across a lot of things, right? Because right. like, say I'm, I'm, I, I'm working with, uh, like I, I used to train some guys for the combine and things like that, right? Like vertical jumps huge, right? right. And everyone always wants to work on jumping up and exploding power up pretty rarely did I ever have anyone ever jump up on a box, right? Like if you can have them step off a box from a really, really high height and control that landing and absorb that force, you are going to get that reflexive change in power going upwards, right? Like one of the things that I always say, and this was a line from Dan Fichter, like I said a long time ago, your brain's never going to let you jump higher than it feels safe to land from, right? right? So like if you're jammed up at a 38 inch vertical, the answer is not like increase load and jump keep jumping up on boxes, right? The answer is go up on a 46 inch box, step off, stick that landing, show to the body that you can absorb that force. And yes, there's physiological changes with all that type of stuff. But I, I've had plenty of people who I'm doing their testing like on a, like on, on a vert testing machine, right? And we're testing it over and over and they're stuck at 36. We go put them on a 42 inch box. We have them jump off like 10 times in a row, stick the landing, go retest. You immediately have a change, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think if you can start stripping away pieces, like you said, and looking at some of the fundamentals, a lot of times you don't run faster because you can't stop quickly, right? right. Like that's why I like to dig into performance because performance is not just strength or speed. 
performance is how well you can harness strength and speed in some sort of reactionary environment, right? So there's, there's, and I mean, we can talk endlessly about that stuff, but um, I think it's the big picture that people just need to understand that if you can just regress people back, split movements up, understanding what the body needs from each joint that, right? That's what that joint by joint approach is to be able to accomplish a movement and break it up into those pieces, then that's where you start, right? And you can get huge changes without having to do some crazy complex plyometric drill or whatever. Although, I mean, those can be useful and I do do them, but I think they're overused. Right. And so then you have to start uh, thinking about the concept that the body is more efficient at decelerating than accelerating. Yeah. And so that's where, uh, you know, the, I took a course with uh, Joe Lavaca and Courtney Conley, the the yeah. top down, bottom yeah. up course, which is yeah. so yeah, that's awesome. Such a fun course. It's on, my, it's on my list. Oh, it's so good. Highly recommend it. Um, the the combination of them is really good because Courtney knows everything about the foot, everything. And there's just she has her little foot model that she just walks around with all day (laughs) and then she'll start talking and then she'll start getting into it and start pointing out all this stuff and then start and then she'll like joe will like cough and then she'll be like oh there's other people here okay cool (laughs) and and but then she's able to continue that conversation after kind of going into that dark hole of the foot and it's really fun and they're a really good dynamic but what she says is that a majority of injuries that happen in the foot or in the hip are because it's concentrically loading, not eccentrically loading. And so then you have to figure out why it's concentrically loading and figure out what's not doing the eccentric work. And then that's essentially how you start to rehabilitate people. Right. And so like, that's what you're saying about jumping off the box. Like you can't jump high if your body doesn't have confidence in your deceleration. Agreed. So you're, like, and your squat always fails on the way down, right? And so that's because your body's like, oh, we can't handle this, you know? And so, yep. uh, and that's one thing that um, we changed in my CrossFit gym is, you know, people will do a one rep max deadlift and then just drop it. I'm like, that's an incomplete rep. Like yeah. you need to pull it up and then set it down because that's where you get your strength is setting it down. Yep. You know, and so that's just one of those things that I've been yelling at people about for a long time. And then they get yeah, on that. I'm right there with you. And like, even like through more of a nervous system lens, you get so much more proprioceptive feedback through an eccentric movement than you do through a concentric movement. Right. So like if you're trying to refine that, that virtual map that we have in our, our brains, right. And you want to increase safety or increase confidence in a movement, you better do crazy, extreme, slow eccentric movements. And that's how you're going to get that confidence built right because if you can control it i mean i have people do i've I've had people do like two minute eccentrics right like if you can control every single inch of that range of motion and you can show your body that you're safe there that's where really i mean that's what frc is based out of right i mean they're basically mapping out the end ranges of motion in showing that you have stability and control there and then all of a sudden your brain is like okay well yeah i'll let you go there then right so i think their simplistic model is the reason they've blown up and um i've never taken an frc course again i'm on my list unfortunately i've been traveling so much teaching oh, our courses so that it's it's been uh it's been killing me but um uh, i i love that there's more people out there now starting to shift the lens that they're looking through at least because i think right. that's where we have to start because yes there's lots of different 
avenues you can go down for anything. And that's why a lot of people get different with a bu- or get better with a bunch of different treatments. But if you can just take your lens and shift it, man, that that's huge. Right. And that's why at, at some point I'd love to be able to get access to PT students or Cairo students or things like that. Right. And just to get them just a little bit of thinking, you know, just to say, Hey, all right, well, this is how they're teaching it to me, but maybe something different is happening. Right. Like right. that I tell people all the time, like in PT, like spine mobilization is huge, right? Like right. grade one, grade two, grade three, right? And are you really actually mobilizing and moving the joint because it's stuck? Or when you mobilize it, are you just bombarding the brain with proprioceptive information from that joint? And now the brain has more information from that area. So it can decrease tension in the muscles around that area because it doesn't feel like it needs to protect it. So like right. just a little shifts in thought, I think can really have profound changes across all our professions, right? And I mean, I talk in the PT world because that's who I am, but we're all the same. We're all in the same boat, right? Like massage, Cairo, PT, athletic training. It's, it's all the same. I think we need to stop fighting each other, right? Yeah. Even in the PT world, we all need to stop fighting each other. But if all the professions can say, hey, we're all doing the same stuff. We're all saying the same things. We're just saying a little bit differently, right? Like then we can really help more patients. And that's, again, what it all comes back to because I get so frustrated when I see on Instagram people are always fighting and have this scarcity mindset and like, just shut up, just go like, just go fix people, right? Like that's all you need to do. Right. People respond to everything differently, right? If IKN or integrated connect neurology was the only way to fix people, then there would be no reason for any other approach, right? right. So I think people just need to drop that. Um, and that's my soapbox for the day, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's just something that frustrates me so much. Well, and so that's a, it's a, it's really interesting because I've been, you know, especially through this podcast, I've really made a lot of friends in the PT and the, the, the chiropractic community, Yeah. but it's a very small community of within the professions, right? So yeah. there's, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of, of chiropractors that are focusing on rehabilitation. Right. You know what I mean? They're just doing the spinal manipulations come to me three, two to three yep. times a week indefinitely. And, but then there's other ones that are like, I don't want to see you anymore. And so yep. what we're going to do is make you better. You know what I mean? And then come to me for maintenance. Right. Sure. And so that's one of the things that uh, Sue Falsoni did really good with her book is just, we're bridging the gap people. Like we're all yes. doing the same thing. We all have the same goals. You know what I mean? So like, um, you know, but then I talked to, uh, you know, here's an example of one of the local chiropractors in uh, Flagstaff here. He is, and this is a majority of the chiropractors in Flagstaff that are just like, oh, you're a massage therapist. Okay. So yeah, this is the psoas and this, and I'm like, I know. Thanks. Thanks, man. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so don't talk to me like I'm an idiot because I work really hard on educating myself. You know what I mean? And I know I, I don't, think that I know what I'm talking about, but that's why I work so hard every day on knowing what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, but then I start inviting these people on the podcast and I just have these amazing conversations and it just makes me like just really happy and giddy that we're all super excited about guiding people towards being better people. And that's what our goals are. And the more of a community that we have based around that, I think it, it'll, it'll spread. And so that's yeah. another thing that uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson said is just start with the outliers and work your way in. And yes. then ultimately everybody will be trying to help people. Yeah. I, I love that. That's why like one of, one of the um, 
one of the guys, Dr. Zach Gabor of the Level Up Initiative. It's it's an initiative in the PT world of just trying to like shake things up, right? Like and get us all on the same page to try to help people. And I think over the past two, three years, there's been such a wave of people trying to push into that. But we have to remember like we're still such a small community, right? Like you said, in the larger community. Um, I always like to think, even with the courses that we're having, I'm like, oh man. Like there's so many more people that are understanding like the nervous system controls all. And then I go to like a mill clinic somewhere, you know, and then they're like, oh, well, I need to do this to help this. And all I'm going to do is push on this because this is where it hurts. And then I'm like, oh, no, we still have a long way to go. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's just frustrating. And I have to, I mean, I, I have to hear it every day. <laughs> My girlfriend's a PT at one of the big chain clinics here. And um, it's, mind-blowing some of the things that are actually happening and we just have to keep the pedal to the metal and that's that's the whole reason we got into this continuing education world because I, I was always on board with the private practice thing like I'm like oh I'm gonna own private practices it's gonna be great you know I never thought I would have a continuing education company but then we saw how important we think it could be and yes we teach lots of techniques and things like that but the first thing we say is if all you leave this course with is a different lens to look through and understanding that we're all trying to help people, then that's all it is, right? I mean, we teach a lot of other stuff, obviously. We teach a lot in two days, but um, that's really what we want people to leave with. And I think if more people could just try to push that message, then we'd all be in a better spot. Right. And, uh, you know, I've gone crazy on education. So it's really, education <laughs> is really interesting to me because it's, you know, I actually started to kind of fail out of the prerequisites for PT school. That's what initially what I wanted to do. And okay. but I started getting to, to all the higher level math classes like calculus and physics. And I'm yeah. like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And they're just like, it's required. And I'm like, <laughs> for what? Like, yeah. what are we doing? And so, you know, then I started to get like, if you, and that's where like I falter personally, as far as education goes, like if you're not interested, I'm not interested. Yeah. So if you can't tell me in a physical therapy sense, why I'm learning physics, then I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yep. or uh, anatomy and physiology is another good example. I remember learning about the women's pre uh, the uh, productive system. And I'm just like, why do I care? You yeah. know what I mean? But now that I'm further in and have followed all these amazing teachers and I'm like, Oh, that's actually really important. So yeah. if the woman's not having her menstrual cycle, yeah, you need to figure out why that is because that's a lot of shit that can un be unpacked from there. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, um, or reading, uh, Stuart McGill's, um, book where he's talking about the physics of why, the deadlift gets heavier the further out from your shins it goes. I'm like, see, that's what I need. This is what I, yeah. this is applicable. Simple, practical application, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't give a shit why the hockey puck's sliding without friction or how fast it's going. I don't care. Like, how does it sliding yeah. without friction? That's what I want to know. Where did well, it come from? I want to know that too. You know, like, yeah, I think, I think you're onto something there because I, I think that's one of the biggest issues with all our education, right? It lacks so much practical application right. and not even just like formal grad school application, but honestly, even um, like continuing education, like I, we never wanted to be the course where you're going to come to our course and then say, oh, well, we're giving you all the background stuff, but then we'll save like the practical stuff for level two, right? Like yeah. we never wanted to be that course because it should be the exact opposite, right? Anyone could go read a book and learn neural pathways or whatever, right? People want to learn 
how in this situation do I use these pathways to try to help someone, right? So that's kind of what we wanted to do because I do think that's a huge gap and more so probably a gap in the grad school education and everything or right. any sort of education um, in the US. But um, I think it's something, one thing we really saw in the continuing education world, you know? Yeah. And so that's uh, an interesting thing because I started out my, my, uh, my journey through education trying to learn everything that I felt like I needed to learn to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And I think at the end of last year, I finally learned all of that. Yeah. And so now my whole entire goal is to, to take courses from people that I want to learn from because yeah. we're all speaking the same language and you take the course like, so, you know, a good comparison is like the DNS and the PRI. It's the same thing. We're yep. all doing the same stuff. You yep. know what I mean? But I want to learn what Perry Nicholson has to say about that. I want to learn what you have to say about that. I want to yep. learn what, Shante has to say about that. You know right. what I mean? And I want to learn how you're teaching because that's something that I want to get into in the future. And I want to, I want to just, uh, so, and it's inspiring to see passion too is really yes. important. So 100%. like, you know, like how many courses does Dr. Andrea Spina t teach a year? Probably millions. And yeah. like, I don't know how that's possible, but he teaches <laughs> millions a year. But every he's so bang on every course because he's so passionate about it. Yeah. Perry, like Perry's like, like yelling at you half the time because he's so <laughs> passionate about what he's teaching. And he's like, you know, and then you, I have this PTSD of my physics class where the lady's like drinking a diet Coke reading yeah. out of the physics book. And you're like, Holy shit, I got to get yeah. out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it's the, just the passion behind it is what's so interesting to me now what i'm really seeking out and then you know i talk about this on the podcast a lot too but the people that you meet there they're oh all gosh, that's going, the best part yeah they're all going for the same reason you know what i mean there's yeah like, i mean man the the amount of people even in the short period of time that we've been having courses the, the community that you can build is so amazing right and that's where like we've seen some of the coolest things we're like oh man we taught this course these people are using the techniques we're teaching them in way cooler ways than we are, right? Like the, the community that you can build, cause you know that, I mean, it's specifically for our course, like anyone who's coming to take our course is already a good practitioner, right? Like right. they're already getting good results. So you know, if they're there, they're truly interested in learning and just trying to better themselves. And when you can get all those people in a room, I mean, we go on all kinds of crazy tangents, right? Like, I mean, we talk about all kinds, whether it's other courses or whatever it is. I mean, you can get some really, really cool conversation. And I think one of the coolest things that I've seen as a trend, not, not just in our course, but in a lot of courses is it's not just for PTs, right? Like we have massage therapists, chiropractors, PTs, athletic trainers. We had a nurse at one of our Seattle courses, right? So like when you can get a diverse background of people too, man, some really, really cool brainstorming and stuff can happen. And people are just good people, you know, when yeah. you can have those people that, Hey, now, Hey, I met that guy in, in San Diego who I know is an expert in this, right? Like, let me reach out to him. Maybe he can help me here. Right. And you can just start to build that community of not just good people, but a, a community of people that you can go to when you need help. Right. Cause like you said, we know the things we know really, really well, but we don't know everything. Right. Right. There's other people that know stuff way better. And when you can start to have that network of people, it's really, really cool. And I, I never, I never even thought about that when we were getting into the teaching world, but that's 
been one of, if not the coolest part about it. And that's what pushes your course to be better because then you right. see, exactly. you see the people that you taught doing it different and then you're like, shit, I'm adding that in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. So, and you know, I learned the infinity walk from Perry. Yep. And then you're like, Hey, load it. And I'm like, load it. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, and that's kind of, I've uh, come up with, you know, like the basic pyramid of, of, health essentially and so you know the fundamentals are at the bottom and then you let the load those fundamentals and then you start to add variance to those fundamentals and then everything falls into place you know what i mean and that's like yeah. so that's basically that's like the basic way of explaining how my movement practice is and how my health practice is so like and it, god it's so much fun um <laughs> so yeah i want to uh man we could talk about that Forever. I know, I know, and, I know, I know, I hear you. Um, so I want to talk about why this uh, this podcast is so serendipitous. Um, so I had a client come in uh, three years ago that is having some vestibular problems. And she okay. just contacted me again today. And I was like, all right, let's get this party yeah, started. And that's so, funny. You know, I've learned a lot in that last three years. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit and kind of unpack that a little bit. And then yeah. also how your uh, vision affects that. So let's, yeah. yeah, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, I think probably the most talked about portion of our course is is the sensory integration portion. And our, our main takeaway from that is every motor output you have is based upon the sensory information coming in, right? So um, you can simplify to that input processing output model, right? Input comes in through the sensory system. We have to process it, give it a meaning, and then we have to react to that sensory stimulus, right? Every movement we do is based upon that. And when you can start to understand how, how often our vestibular system, our visual system is prioritized in something we're doing, you can really understand how it can start to have effects on everything else, right? Like, the simplest example is try to walk down the street with your eyes closed, right? Like what happens with your movement, right? It becomes much more rigid. It's not as fluid, all that type of stuff. So you know that if you, you have deficits there, and when I say deficits, in our course, we talk mostly about some of these sensory dominance patterns and how through stressful situations over time, you start to build a disparity or an imbalance through your dominant side and your non-dominant side, right? So now we're not getting efficient information in. And if we know our visual system and vestibular system are important from an input standpoint, if we're not getting efficient information in, how could our output be efficient, right? right. So, I mean, we, we tend to talk mostly like in the movement orthopedic world, but like, man, we've had some wild changes in like uh, just stress levels and ability to focus with reading or motion sickness and all those types of things that really motion sickness is just another output of the brain, right? Nausea is, a, is an output because your body doesn't feel safe because you have some sort of sensory mismatch, right? So if you can understand how to assess the visual system, assess the vestibular system, see where the deficits are, and have very specific tools to bring balance back to those systems, then the nausea is gone, right? So like, it's just like if you have an imbalance between your right or left arm, you want to bring balance to that to improve how your body's working. It's, it's as simple as that. But, um, <laughs> the amazing thing is 
the changes can be so quick because these systems are so highly prioritized to the brain, right? And yes, if you do have a vestibular drill and you get an immediate change in range of motion, is that going to stick forever? No, but it's a window of opportunity to now, like you said, use the fundamentals and load it to get that long-term change, right? right? So, but if you're never addressing those higher order systems, you may never have been able to get that change in the first place, right? So that's where the beauty comes in. And it's, it's extra layers you can go into when you get stuck, right? Now you're not, you're, you're doing your manual work and you're doing your stretching and you're like, I don't know, it's not changing. Now you're like, okay, well now I know I can go here. I can address these higher order systems. Maybe that's what I need to do to get the change. Right. And so uh, from a neurokinetic therapy perspective, once you get yeah. into uh, level three, then you start working with eye dysfunction yep. and how to test for that. And then so then you got to start to integrate it. And so the best way that I found to integrate it is the infinity walk, right? And so yep. that just has a huge just impact on people. And so it's just like you said, it could be anything. So like it's a, yeah. it's a, you know, if you've ever hit your head or had a dysfunction, like a, or a concussion, then you have an eye dysfunction. And if you have mm -hmm. an eye dysfunction, then you have a vestibular dysfunction and then, yep. and then, and then, and then, you know what I mean? And it's, it all comes down to if like just integrating everything in that sensory input, which is like on a basic level is how rock tape can influence how you move. Because right. if you have a dysfunctional movement pattern, then you put rock tape there, then your brain's hyper-focused on that. You know what I mean? But, it, but then my whole thing is like, if you train that way, then your brain's always focused on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like that's, Agreed. that was part of my post on uh, Instagram today. Like one of my uh, biggest takeaways from the functional range conditioning course is the morning controlled articular rotations of your whole body. Like you, like I wake up, I feed my dogs and while they're eating, I do controlled articular rotations from my neck all the way down to my toes. And yeah. that's like your brain is fired up after that. Yep. Because, you know, like if you're just doing normal movement patterns, then, you know, your brain just gets bored with that stuff. You yep. need to that's challenge it, you know? So like you, you know, that's why if you like, sometimes I go down and get the mail and then I do like, you know, explosive lateral walks sure. like my driveway, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. And so, you know, uh, people only think it's weird if they think it's weird. Like, if you Yeah, and it, it well, that's, that's the barrier we're trying to break through is we need, people need to understand that it's not weird, it's not voodoo, it's just how the body works. Just because you don't understand that yet doesn't mean it's voodoo, right? I, the body takes in sensory information, it gives a motor output. That's what happens. So to leave the sensory piece out, just doesn't really make sense, right? Like it, right. no pun intended, nice. Uh, yeah. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's logical to incorporate those, at least in some particular way into what you're doing, right? And it, depending on the case, it's going to be drastically different. But I think when you can understand how the visual system and the vestibular system, for example, work and how they work together, then you can start to understand how to harness that a little bit. I think the eyes are like just such an amazing thing because the eyes not only have to, I mean, if you think about it, right, they literally interpret like light photons through our retina and we assign meaning to it. And like that's a representation of the world. Like that's a crazy phenomenon in itself. Right. But then that's just a visual aspect, right? Then the eyes are proprioceptive too, right? right? Like when you put your eyes in the up position and the down position, you have all kinds of cascades of neuroreflexive things that happen, right? So when you can start to understand that, 
Not that it's something that you only have to do, but it can help facilitate the results you're trying to get with some of the other stuff, right? Because right. now you're engaging the body and the brain in the way that it's normally used to, right? Like when we try to do stuff and we don't address any of these systems that you could be addressing, you're just not addressing as many layers as you could to get changes faster, right? And that's really what it comes down to. The more layers you can address, the better chance you're going to have to facilitate change. That's really what it is. Right. So then, yeah, there's another thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, yeah. a little bit is anxiety, right? So yes. like, so I, uh, I read some paper somewhere that somebody posted on something about um, how hypermobile people tend to be more anxious because yes. they're, because then their nervous system doesn't feel safe. Right. Yes. And so that's where I think functional range conditioning comes in. Like you're already hypermobile. So, and everybody wants that mobility. So why not build strength at those end ranges so that your nervous system less, has less anxiety about you moving through space. Yes. And the more you do that in multiple directions, the safer your body becomes. But then think about like if you have had a concussion or you have had some kind of trauma to your head that disrupts your eye function, how much anxiety that would create for your brain. And so yeah. then that starts to lead me down the path where it's like, why are people anxious? And are we giving them medications for something that's easily correctable? Oh my gosh, let me tell you. So like it, and this is something, this is something we talk a lot about, but in all of those cases that you were just referring to, we, we, we think of it as draining neural resources, right? So like if your body has to be worried about stabilizing your hip because it's hypermobile, that drains some resources, right? If your body had trauma from a concussion and now it has a dysfunctional eye, eye function, right? Now it has to give more resources to that area so it can manage it so you can keep living, Right. But now you're using all these resources to deal with these other things. And now when new input comes in, now when new stuff is happening, you don't have the resources to deal with it. And then you express it as anxiety, right? It's the same reason like, um, like reading disorders, ADHD, or like even kids, like kids uh, like in school, the ones that are always like bouncing up and down, like that we diagnose like as ADHD or troublemakers in the class and like throw medication at them. Why are they bouncing up and down? They have a vestibular disorder. They're craving vestibular information, right? If you could just give them some of that sensory information, allow their brain to process all that stuff coming in, then they're not going to have these outlashes because all that stuff is just outputs, right? Like if you look at like Melzac's neuromatrix, emotional stress, pain, motor output, they're all outputs, right? So unless you, if you can fix the input or give good input and then change how the body's processing that input, you're going to get changes in the anxiety. You're going to get changes in the emotional stuff. And, and that's something Ryan's really, really good at. He, because he's in Ireland and he's a doctor, a PT over there, there. I don't know this for sure. I've never been to Ireland, but it seems like there's just no rules over there. So like he's a PT and he's like the smartest guy. So people go see him for everything, right? Like he treats a lot of these emotional disorders and he does it the same way with some of these sensory drills. And thinking bigger picture and understanding how much movement and how much un understanding how much these other systems can affect the brain, right? Like you said, when you can do FRC, give the brain that information so it doesn't have to worry about that area. Now we can go back and do all these other things. Movement is so, so powerful and we underestimate it because we want to lump movement in this orthopedic world only, right? right. But like you're stressed at work, you feel better after working out, right? Like right. you feel better after moving. You feel better after doing this stuff. And that's because so many neurological changes are happening when 
you do movement or when you do these sensory drills or whatever you want to do. I mean, it's different on a case by case basis, but when you can understand these principles and understand now you can apply them to all these different spaces, it's really, really cool. And it's really, really fun. Right. So like concussions are huge and we're we're releasing our concussion course on, on Friday because I think there's such a gap there not only if there's, there's no structure in really how to treat a concussion and people just also aren't educated enough on concussions, but when you can start to look at it through this lens, man, man, you can get some, some really cool things happening. And I think we can help a lot of people there. So what's interesting is that this whole entire podcast boils down to the fact that movement is the magic pill. <laughs> there it is. But, but yeah. the problem is, is that it doesn't make people billions of dollars. So yep. We'll just settle with making thousands yeah. <laughs> and we'll it's give so, people the it, magic pill. And so what's so funny, true. like, you know, the kids that like, so that's where Kelly Sturette was doing a lot of really good work with the stand up kids, like where kids, yes. kids like stand up desks, where yes. I would even take it a step further and just eliminate desks altogether and just have them yeah. fidget on the ground and figure yeah. it out. Because Dude. like, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was a kid, but like, so the way that I figured out how to channel that was by like doodling and drawing yes and so once i start focusing all my attention that of, of this energy that i need to burn on drawing a picture then i can yes. pay attention to what people are saying and so what's funny is is i don't do that at a lot of these courses that i go to you know what i mean because yeah they're telling me information that's like making me really passionate, getting me all fired up. But if you're, yeah, you know, putting me into a boring ass, you know, two and a half hour anatomy yeah. and physiology course, I'm just not interested. You know, honestly, I mean? even then though, like when we go to when we have our courses, like I'm a fan of not really having chairs. You yeah. know, like yeah. find a way to sit because everyone is all worked up about posture, right? But like any one posture for too long is bad, right? Like even if you sat up in perfect posture, it would suck. It would hurt you after a while, right? Right. So like if you're on the ground, your body tells you when it's time to move, right? Like if you're laying, you're like, ooh, I'm starting to feel, oh, I got to move, right? But we don't get that when we're stuck in this chair posture for forever and looking at a screen. Um, So yeah, I'm a huge fan. I know Perry's a fan of like having people take their shoes off, right? Like in class. Oh yeah, Uh, that's that's another thing that I wanted to say. Like that I've learned uh, since the the functional range conditioning course is like, you know. So this is like one of my favorite stories is we're doing the the morning routine. We're going through all the controlled articulate rotations. We get down to the foot. Andrea Spina's like, "This is what you do with your foot." And 80 people watch him. And then he's like, now you try. And then we all stare at our feet. And then he's like, so if you're looking at your foot, like it's an alien attached to your leg, then you need to be barefoot more often. And we're like, got it. And he's like, so how often do you use your feet? And you're thinking, you're like, kind of a lot. He's like, should they be stronger? Yeah, they probably should be stronger. And then you start to learn that uh, like 25% of your sensory input comes from your feet. Yeah. So that's like a thing that I've, that's a, that's been a game changer in my practice is just like, if people come into me and they're like, I have low back pain. I'm like, cool. Don't wear shoes anymore. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. And because <laughs> yeah, I had one lady who uh, came in, she had chronic low back pain for years and years and had, you know, this it's, it was minor, but it was scoliosis in her spine. Sure. And, you know, after I worked on her for about an hour or so, I um, was just like, look, you need to, you need to be without your shoes on more often. And if you have some river rocks 
around your house, then you need to walk in those. And yeah. she's like, cool. So I'll call my landscaper right now. And they put a, they put a river rock path in her backyard. There you go. And she came back to me two weeks later. Her back pain was gone. Her scoliosis was nearly gone. And I haven't seen her since. And That's I'm just awesome. like, just take your shoes off, you wackos. God damn it. it and man, and like we, we talk a lot about a lot of these nuances, but that's, it always goes back to like, sometimes it's just that simple, you know, like yeah. sometimes just find a way to make your human body more human and then you'll get changes, right? Like we're constantly pulling ourselves away from being human, go back to whatever we were doing when we were not doing what we're doing now. And a lot of stuff will probably get better. You know, like sometimes right. it's just that simple. Right. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. It's awesome. So much fun. What a great conversation. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, this is really, really great. And I, I'm, I'm glad we got to connect and I'm, I'm excited for us to be able to meet in person here finally. Absolutely. So uh, speaking on that, let's tell everybody where they can find you and Ryan. Sure. Yeah. So um, the, the first spot is our website. So www.ikneurology.com. And that, that'll be our integrated kinetic neurology website. Um, you'll, you'll see all the cities that we're coming to all the different courses online or in person that we offer there. Um, the best place to get content from us is Instagram probably. Um, so that's at integrated kinetic neurology. Uh, we try to post up some good content every single day there, um, put a lot of stuff out and any updates on cities or anything that we're coming out with that aren't on our website, it'll be there. Um, and then certainly if, if you just want to chat more with us, shoot us an email, right? Whether it's through the website or through Instagram, we're always looking to talk with people and, and learn what they think about what we're saying or if they have something that they're like, hey, this might work really well with what you're doing, reach out to us. We're always trying to learn. So um, we're just trying to build this community here. So um, hopefully we get to see you at a course soon. But um, again, Jesse, thanks for, thanks for having me on here. It was really, really awesome. Absolutely, my friend. And uh, what, what books are you reading right now? Uh, that's a good question. I actually am going back through the oxygen advantage again. Um, such a when I was book. at, when I was at Shantae's course, uh, she was talking a lot about breathing and she just came out with her breathing, uh, uh, webinar here. And it made me just want to go back through it and think a little bit differently again, because obviously breathing has huge effects on the nervous system. So I've been going through that. Uh, um, I've actually been going through more of like some psychological stuff. Like you were talking about Tony Robbins. I've really been diving more into some of the way he's wording things and some of that type of stuff and listening to his podcast because I think that's where things are going as well. We need to start changing there too. And it all comes back to safety in the nervous system. But I think I, I'm trying to learn more there. Um, but I, there's, there's endless ways, honestly, from like a personal perspective, I'm not a great reader. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't do well reading. So I'm a big podcast guy. So I'm always trying to listen to new podcasts. And, um, if anyone has any recommendations, feel free to DM us or email us. Um, but that, that's kind of the world I'm living in now. Some of that psychological wording, just how to change the way you can word things to get different expectations or different outputs from people. Right. So like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, getting them out of that societal narrative, right? Yes. Like, 100%. Like one of Tony Robbins, one of my favorite quotes from him is uh, life isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. And yeah. so that's, or, you know, changing your expectations into appreciations. You yes. know what I mean? So then like just changing the narrative in your head is, has such a powerful impact on you. And uh, one of the things that I posted a while ago on Instagram is, you know, CrossFit is a good sounding board for everything that I'm trying to accomplish. And so yeah. there's times when I'm coaching it 
and you know, people are only like a few minutes into the workout and they're like, Oh my God, turn the music up. And I'm like, mm, I don't think I will because yeah. that is your internal narrative with the volume turned up to like 11. That's how you're talking to yourself every day. That's yeah. really important to hear. Interesting. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like, cool. and so like the second you get into doing hard stuff, that's when your volume goes up and that's yeah. when you start to really realize how you talk to yourself and you're like, holy shit. And so like, you know, one of the things that I brought up to my wife uh, and, and, you know, even a few other athletes, like, is if I talk to you the way that you talk to you, you wouldn't be friends with me anymore. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so it's, uh, it is really interesting. And so yeah. uh, if you're more of an, um, an audio guy, like I would highly yeah. recommend listening to uh, David Goggins book. That okay. Book phenomenal so it's called can't hurt me okay and i cool. listen to that audiobook literally twice in a row and it's it's uh he's really good at at squashing whatever excuse that you think you have to fail at whatever it is because yeah. you know people use excuses for whatever whatever it is like you know well i had a shitty upbringing cool yeah so so did he you know what i mean yeah. well i don't have any money well neither does he you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I was fat and overweight. Cool. So was he. So like whatever excuse that you have, he's just like, no, I went out and accomplished so much to where I looked at elite warfighters, like other Navy SEALs and being like, mm, you're kind of a lazy schmuck. And you're like, whoa, really? <laughs> <laughs> and so like listening to his book is incredibly empowering and really uh, inspiring to be more disciplined because yeah one of my favorite things that he talks about is like motivation is crap. Like it doesn't exist. You know, when are you ever like, Oh man, I really, really want to go for a run right now. Never. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So like you just got to do stuff. And so yep. that my whole thing that I took from that book is the more that you do stuff that you don't want to do, the more disciplined that you are. Right. Yeah. So like that could go from making your bed or washing your dishes to like, you know, like for me right now, I'm slacking my ass off on doing my taxes. I do not want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. it's, it's part of the discipline that I need to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, what I say to everybody else is like, if you accomplish like 10% of the discipline that that guy has, you're doing pretty yeah, damn good. good spot, right? Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, cool. Yeah. A good recommendation. Thank you. Right on brother. All right. Thank you so much for this conversation. We'll probably do it again in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Yep. See ya.